You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to the show. Wednesday, between Christmas and New Year's Eve, Matt, Lars, Ryan, Wyatt, I think we got the whole team here today. Lars, what's going on in your world this morning, afternoon? Difficulties here technically. I think we're uh, getting them worked out. Uh, we have a pretty massive echo, and this is live radio. Matt, how are you doing today? All right. Well, I take point nine. Minute, How's everybody at the studio the show doing today? Ryan Fowler, who works for our, he works for our flagship station in Tuscaloosa, Tide one hundred point nine. He arrived and is there in Pasadena, and he's going to be giving all our stations uh, Tide 100.9 and 1230 WTBC reports leaning throughout the week. So he's there. Alabama has arrived as well. So they're getting ready for the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day at 4 o'clock. So Alabama's there. Ryan Fowler's there. So what more do you need? Um, Also, You've got the first SEC team to play in a bowl game. I read that, and it just didn't sound right, but it may be. But uh, tonight at 8 o'clock, Oklahoma State takes on Texas A&M. Oh, that's a situation concerning our SEC teams as we get ready for, I mean, we've had bowl games. I mean, the Birmingham Bowl was just this past week, and it was incredible. But uh, no SEC teams. Kind of surprised me. Of course, the SEC does occasionally put a team in the Birmingham Bowl. But uh, we need to take a break and straighten out some of our technical issues. And uh, when we get back, we'll uh, get to the meat of the matter here, the heart of the matter, on uh, the Big big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly sunny skies through the afternoon hours today. It'll be mild with an afternoon high near 56. Tonight, expect mostly cloudy skies. Maybe a slight chance for a shower. The overnight low near 31. Then for your Thursday, a sunny start. With clouds thicken during the day, look for colder temperatures with a high of 40. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Let's uh, go bing, bing, round two on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Bars and Matt are here with you as we get uh, one day closer to Alabama taking on Michigan um, in Texas, Washington, and several other bowl games. Good one tonight, as I mentioned in the open. Um, FCC starts dancing here tonight as they take on Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. Uh, that'll be pretty cool. I'll be watching that. But uh, we can break that game down a little bit later. Let's just bring Lars in, see how everything is in his world. Uh, the best word that describes my life right now is chaotic. Uh, with uh, uh, my three little ones uh, still in uh, 
in full sugar fueled Christmas, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, behavior, action, uh, just running nonstop, uh, playing with their new toys and, uh, you know, trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to, uh, like you do in the NCAA tournament, survive in advance, survive in advance. And it used to be just like by the day, but now Matt is by the hour. By the hour. Yeah, yeah. And I was chasing after one of them last night uh, and absolutely just drilled my foot into uh, a door and uh, my my pinky toe is, is absolutely broken. And man, it's, uh, I don't know, have you ever broken a pinky toe? I've uh, broken a big toe, but I'll how about a pinky. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever broken one, and uh, you really can't do anything for it. But uh, it's uh, it's not great when you're again trying to chase uh, my my twin girls, Autumn and Farah, who are six, and Lincoln, who is eight. But uh, what a wonderful Christmas! Uh, it's really good to be back on air. But uh, we just had uh, just a special time. Uh, my mom is here, and, and her husband Gordy, and uh, just um, wonderful, wonderful. A, a memory that I'll take with me for the I'll, I'll hold dearly and cherish for the rest of my life. How was your Christmas? Oh, it was it was awesome. I saw uh, all of my family, with the exception of my daughter that lives in Tyler, Texas. So, but. Uh, we had a lot of faith, fun, and family, and uh, football, some football, not a lot. But uh, I did watch some NFL because that was on uh, almost all Christmas Day. Uh, and the NFL has got some interesting twists going on. Maybe we'll give that a little time today, too, because uh, it's interesting. I, just real quick, Lars, I was kind of hanging my hat on the 49ers, but maybe it's Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Who's the best team really, in the NFL right now? Yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson. I think uh, pretty much wrapped up the MVP award with his performance uh, at San Francisco, flying across the country, and uh, just putting a, a, a butt whooping on 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 San Francisco. And I think San Francisco needs to kind of look look hard at itself. Um, because Baltimore just manhandled them on both sides of the ball. Uh, Brock Purdy, uh, you know, I think heading into that game was the MVP front runner, True. but uh, he was, it seems like he threw a pick every other play uh, and just uh, did. He was not reading the coverage very well. And I, I tell you what, Kyle Hamilton is a great player. Uh, the safety, who I think is in his second year. Uh, out of Notre Dame, uh, there was concerns about him coming out like if if he could kind of hold up in pass coverage. But man, he had two huge interceptions, and uh, I yeah, I think it's safe to say that the team to beat the NFL right now is the Baltimore Ravens. And then on the flip side of that, you look at Kansas City as well uh, on Monday night. Kansas City is a struggling team. Everything is difficult for them on offense and uh, allowing the Raiders to score two offensive touchdowns or sorry, two defensive touchdowns in a span of about eight seconds. It's uh, losing at home on Monday night to the Raiders, uh, a Raiders team that is pretty, I don't know, I think it's a talent deficient team. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Kansas City, it's going to be tough for them, I think, to make a lot of noise in the in the playoffs. Well, we will welcome calls all day long. like to emphasize that. Get your Christmas thoughts, your Alabama-Michigan thoughts. You can dial us up at 205-342-9904. As I mentioned at the top, Ryan Fowler, who hosts the show that follows us on Tide 100.9, 1230WTVC. He uh, arrived, I guess, around the same time, or maybe even, I think, earlier in Pasadena. So he's our man on the scene, and he will join us at 1245. And then Cole Thompson, your former student that now has his own little media, mega media place in Houston, he'll join us, and we can continue our thoughts on the National Football League. But other than that, I've got the... Uh, Alabama on my mind and everybody else is too, Lord. Yeah, um, I've been sort of digging into this matchup more and more by the day, as I'm sure uh, a lot of people have. And uh, one thing that pops out at me is uh, is Michigan's tight end, Colston Loveland. He's really one of the better pass-catching tight ends in the country and he is one player that I think could give Alabama some problems. Um, you know, going against Georgia, uh, their tight end, obviously Bowers, was not at 100%. And so I, I think Caleb Downs is probably going to be the guy that most often is going to be on on Loveland. And, um, you know, Downs has uh, just been everything we thought he would be and more um and so uh, i think he's going to play a key role and also just digging into alabama's pass rushing this year um both uh uh, uh turner and braswell rank among the the top 10 dallas turner and chris braswell rank among the top 10 edge rushers in power five football and quarterback pressures pass rushing production and pass rushing win rate and that's according to pro football focus and we've talked a lot about pro football focus that that, that i i just i think they do a great job of of uh sifting through uh the, the statistics and really pick out which ones are most important um but uh and so they basically are, are saying that turner and braswell uh, are the really the, maybe the the best sort of one two edge rushing combo in the country, and um, I mean just in the last two games, I mean this is amazing. The last two games they've combined for twenty three quarterback pressures. So if they can win one on one on the edge uh, in in Michigan, the thing is you can't double both of them when it's a clear passing situation. Uh, so their tackles are going to have to to hold up, but uh, I, I just uh, the, the 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 player who I think could be uh, as as I mentioned who could cause some problems is uh, Loveland the the tight end uh, Colson Colston Loveland. Uh, good dive. Just don't know how much when they're lining up. Just you know. With what three, four extra tackles and running straight at, straight at them, um, you know, Turner and Braswell are really good at coming off the edge. How good, Lars? How good are they against the rush? Oh yeah, I mean they're they're also they're they're very good 
Um, and, uh, you know, Alabama, uh, let me see here. Um, you know, they have allowed, let's see, uh, in the last five games, Alabama's allowed 749 yards on the ground, which is a 4.8 average and 10 touchdowns. And so the rush defense hasn't been great. Um, but, uh, you know, Alabama's a good tackling team. Uh, and I think the, the DBs are really good in run support. And uh, I think they will play a big role in in shutting down the run or attempting to shut down the run because Michigan is not going to come out and sling the ball all around the field. Uh, with McCarthy, they are going to play smash mouth, three yards on a cloud of dust, kind of uh, pound it through, pound it down your throat offense. And then if they can get that going, that will open up play action, bootlegs, uh, get the, uh, get the, you know, a, a tight end going over the middle on a, on a play action, uh, hit Loveland. Uh, I mean, you know, this is all stuff that Nick Saban is uh, is preparing for and they're talking about. Um, but it's just going to, I think fundamentally, it's going to come down to is Michigan's offense and is the Big Ten, as are, are they as good as they appear? Because their power, I mean, I, I've watched Michigan several times this year. And especially against my Nebraska Cornhuskers, they just blew Nebraska off the line of scrimmage. I've never seen a team that do that to a Nebraska team. I mean, and I think they won, you know, 59 to nothing or something, uh, but they were stealing Nebraska's plays. Not that it would have mattered, but um, it's just going to come down to uh, sort of brute strength and athleticism. Uh, I mean, I think pound for like if you go by athletes, Alabama's got the superior athletes, but can they hold up against that just uh, ginormous offensive line and what Michigan wants to do on offense? And again, that's going to be just just jam it down Alabama's throat. And and I know that they are going to try to make a statement early and set the tone early. And uh, and I and I think. um, I think we'll know kind of the direction this game is going very quickly. I mean, I, I am of the opinion, Matt, that Alabama is going to win this by 17 to 21 points, but Vegas obviously doesn't agree with me, right? And I don't understand this line because you, if you talk to Big Ten coaches who have played Michigan and you grant them uh, anonymity, Right, and so they can say whatever they want. There's no repercussions. They can speak the truth. Nine out of ten are going to tell you that they think Alabama is going to absolutely destroy Michigan, but yeah, it's not showing up in Vegas. And so I feel like I'm I'm missing something that's obvious. But when you know, in my deep dives on this, I really think this is a favorable matchup for Alabama. And we've talked about this on our podcast because the weakest position group for Michigan on offense are the wide receivers. The best position group 
for Alabama, I think, even though I just have been talking about uh, the Alabama edge rushers, you, you go to their corners. I mean, they had two first-team All-Americans <laughs> in the corner. Uh, it's just unheard of. And so if they can, uh, if Arnold and Kool-Aid can lock down the two Michigan, uh, their top two wideouts in man-to-man coverage, that allows uh, Alabama to be a lot more creative on defense. It gives them flexibility to push the safeties up, um, you know, and, and just do sort of exotic, like, run blitzes. and It's just different things. And, uh, and so... To me, again, this is just not a great matchup for Michigan. But am I missing something, Matt? Well, they're the best defense in the nation. Uh, They were tested a few times this year, certainly uh, Ohio State, Maryland, and Penn State. But other teams, they just blew everybody out of the water. Um, They're a ball control, run first, run second, run third team. And I think maybe Vegas is just saying they're going to keep it close and win it. Uh, not really sure why. That's it's puzzling to me. But apparently it's not going to flip like we all anticipated when it first came out. But it's a very good Michigan team. I, I this My professional opinion is uh, I hope you're right, but I don't think you're going to be. I, I think a 17-point win would be tremendous because Michigan, hey, don't forget now, Michigan's playing with a big chip on their shoulder. Harbaugh is preaching me against the world. So we'll see. We'll take more phone calls. I'd like to hear your comment on this. Also, uh, you know that ESPN computer thing, Lars, uh, ESPN ST Plus? You know, yeah. I, I found the, looking for the Alabama Michigan, but I found the Texas uh Found Texas, Washington. I'll pass that along on the other side of the break. You listen to Big Things Report, presented by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Yeah, it's a little cold, by the way. Like I needed to tell you that, but it is sunny. Sun just peaked out here. But welcome back into Big Noon Sports. Matt and Lars, you know, Wyatt at the controls. And coming up in just a minute, we'll be talking to Ryan Fowler. Uh, he has the two to six show on Tide 100.9, 1230 WTBC. 
and he is in Pasadena as our as is the Crimson Tide and uh, many fans are headed out there as well. Lars, you said yesterday on our podcast you think there will be a decided difference in the number of Michigan fans to Alabama fans. I do. This is just based on anecdotal evidence. Uh, just the people that I have talked to and you've talked to as well, Matt, that uh, a lot of Alabama fans are waiting to go to Houston for the national championship game. And, um, and it, it just, you know, Michigan, for Michigan, this is everything. When you get a chance to play Nick Saban, play Alabama in the Rose Bowl, where Michigan and the Big Ten have so much tra- tradition, so much history, uh, I, and Michigan fans uh, uh, travel well. They always have traveled well. Um, my guess is it's going to be a, a 70-30 Michigan crowd, maybe maybe 65-35, I just think there. I just think Michigan will have somewhat of a, a an advantage when it comes to the, the crowd, but. You know, the Rose Bowl, it's not that loud of a stadium because the noise uh, just simply escapes. And, uh, and it's not like the, the, the fans are just right on top of you because it, it's the unique uh, just bowl, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, they go out and away. Yeah, you know, yeah. Away from the actual yeah. field. Yeah, not stacked so, anyway. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but... Um, yeah, I, I just think I, I do believe that that Michigan will have an advantage, um, and you know, let's face it too, it, it's expensive to get out there, and a lot of uh, Alabama fans have been traveling, <laughs> spending a lot of their money over the last uh, thirteen, fourteen years on on going to uh, games in the postseason. So, uh, you know. <laughs> and and Michigan fans clearly are starving for a win. Uh, Jim Harbaugh zero and six in his last six bowl games, and also zero uh, and two in the college football semifinals. So um, I don't know. Does that does that does that scare you? Does it make you nervous as an Alabama fan, Matt? That Harbaugh. Is just seems he seems due for yeah. a win. He seems due for a win in a bowl game. It's like a really good hitter in baseball. He gets into a major slump. You know he's going to break out, and he's usually going to break out when you've got the bases loaded. Then you throw him something, and he knocks it out of the park. Because you know slumps like that don't last. Whether you're Michigan or whether you're Freddie Freeman, um, you're going to break out. And, yeah, I think it makes you think about it. I don't know if it changes the way you play, but in the back of your mind, thinking, well, these guys are going to break out sometime. Let's just hope it's not today. So, you know, I, I think it's a it's a little bit of a mental thing. I, I don't think that has anything to do or have anything to do with the outcome of the game. Now, you know this uh, Bill Connolly guy with uh, ESPN – SP Plus. Yes. You've brought these up before, but he does the analytics and he like puts it into a computer and plays it over and over and over again. And he comes out with this type of information. All right. Here it is for Texas 
and Washington. The Longhorns have a 64% chance of winning, and it will be by a score of 33 to 27. You know, that looks okay to me. Now, when he does the same thing with the computer for Alabama and Michigan, it's a 29 to 20 Michigan win at 69%. So here, here we here we go with a conflict of information again. Vegas says the Alabama Michigan game is going to be much tighter. What is it today? What's it this morning? A uh, point and a half? I think so. I haven't looked, but and I, then I, the I saw it's a point and a half. Texas is four and a half point favorite. So, and uh, they're at less percentage to win than Michigan. So, I don't know where these computers and where these odds makers are, but uh, in this case, Vegas and ESPN, SP Plus are not even close to being on the same page in many aspects. Yeah. You know what? You don't play it on a computer. Right. I mean, I, I like Connolly. Uh, I think he is uh, interesting and, and very smart, uh, and uh, always worth reading. But uh, you know, I think sometimes we can get bogged down in the analytics, and you get uh, you know th- this winning percentage chance, and I, I just don't necessarily buy into all that. Um, you know, I try to you just look at you analyze the game based on what you've seen. And uh, again, I, I go back to the, one of the biggest mismatches, is, as I mentioned, is is Alabama's edge rushers, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, Braswell, going against the Wolverine offensive tackles, and these tackles have struggled mightily in the last few games, and that's why what Michigan is going to do on offense is they're going to be moving McCarthy around, moving pockets, do short, quick passes to. Uh, to basically uh, mitigate their weakness of uh, these these two uh, uh, sort of uh, average offensive tackles. So what does Saban do against that when it, when you have a quarterback that wants to you know get it out quickly and just spread it around, play point guard, and I, I think it's just going to be try to clog up the passing lanes and collapse the pocket. And don't let McCarthy get outside of the tackle box or get outside of the get outside of the pocket. Um, so I, I mean, and I think Alabama's uh, defensive linemen are always going to have their hands up to try to bat the balls down with those quick slants that they are going to throw. And you know they'll they'll be coming. Um, but you know, Nick Saban is just so good when he has this much time to prepare. Um, and I, I also think that, you know, you get if you get Michigan in third and six, right, or third and five or longer, that really favors Alabama um, and allows uh, Turner and Braswell to just, you know, just go go and get the, get the quarterback. Uh, I would be surprised if one or both uh, don't make big impact don't make a big impact play or multiple plays um, in the Rose Bowl. You know, there was a game earlier this year. Uh, it was at the midway to latter point of the season where Michigan ran the ball like four times in the first half and then didn't even run the ball in the second half against the Big Tim team. And they mm-hmm. still won handled. 
So I am curious because I think we have to allow for the chance that, hey, Michigan's been doing this. They've been doing it for years. They've been successful with it. They're undefeated this year running the football. Lars, what if they can run the football against Alabama? If they run the football against Alabama, it will be a challenge. And then Alabama is going to have to adjust what they do on offense because uh, it will turn into a high, much high scoring, higher scoring game. And that's not necessarily, I think, what Alabama wants. Um, but, I mean, you look in, in the playoff era under Nick Saban, Alabama's record in the semifinals is 6-1. and one. And you're going against a team and a coach that's 0-2 in the semifinals. And so Nick Saban obviously knows a thing or two about preparation. Um, I just, you know... Who do you give the uh, Who do you give the edge here in, in the coaching department? In coaching, I mean, yeah, clearly it's Saban. far, far on, on Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. Who do you give the edge to at quarterback? Uh, Melrose, because he can run and throw, and McCarthy is more limited to the run. He can pass a little bit. Now he, he's he's a good player. JJ uh, McCarthy's yeah, a good play. player. Um, I've seen some mock drafts that have him going in late first round. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, you know, I let's well let's examine what what do you think Alabama is going to try to do, right? I mean, you know, well that that was kind of my follow up. Can Alabama run on the number one defense in the nation? I have that's questions a, there. That's a great. That is a great question. I mean. As we all know, that Alabama's line averages over 330 pounds per man. Uh, but, uh, you know, they struggled early in the season. They've come on, especially uh, Caden Proctor. Um, but, you know, uh, Michigan is, is bigger up front than most teams. And so on defense, so it, it'll be, uh, this is going to be big boy football. <laughs> for sure it is going to be just uh who can control i mean i think it's it is it's very fundamental who can control the line of scrimmage is man against man who wins these matchups right so uh this is going to be caveman football <laughs> uh, i like it. i like that a lot Okay. Uh, hey, let's go to Pasadena right now. On the other side of the break, we'll go to Ryan Fowler. You're listening to Big Ten Sports presented by Amy Sansing Union Home Mortgage. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Thursday. We'll travel over to Baton Rouge. We'll talk to Ron Higgins. We'll find out how LSU is preparing for this bowl game. Also, have a little coaching talk about LSU. Also, in the second hour, we'll take your phone calls and we'll get ready for this big Michigan semifinal championship game. Inside the locker room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly sunny skies through the afternoon hours today. It'll be mild with an afternoon high near 56. Tonight, expect mostly cloudy skies, maybe a slight chance for a shower. The overnight low near 31. Then for your Thursday, a sunny start. But clouds thicken during the day. Look for colder temperatures with a high of 44. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars and Matt, appreciated by dialing us up Wednesday, the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve. It's going to be an interesting week as we get ready for the build-up in Pasadena. Pasadena, the granddaddy of them all. Haven't heard it referenced that way except in one of our promos, which is kind of cool. The Rose Bowl, an historic, and you know, you think about it being on the West Coast, it used to be the host of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and this, that was the granddaddy of them all, and that's what those two conferences wanted to win, but the history dates back further than that, and that's where Alabama put its mark on the college football world, Lawrence. Yeah, um, and uh, just, just just came out just about an hour ago that uh, Caleb Downs has been named the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year. So uh, Caleb Downs bringing in some hardware. All right, Ryan Fowler out in Pasadena. Ryan, how are things? What's the latest with the Crimson Tide? Well, it's uh, Alabama fans have started to arrive a little bit. Uh, I've seen quite a few of the players kind of walk in the streets. The media hotel is only a couple of blocks away uh, from where the team is staying at the Intercontinental. So uh, it, it's almost like you're intermixed. I'm not sure exactly where Michigan's staying, but I, I've seen a ton of Alabama folks around uh, this particular side of town. It may be a couple of blocks away, but uh, uh, not a lot of activities, no media availability so far, but we'll get our first media availability this afternoon, I think around uh, 4 o'clock local time, uh, 2 o'clock here uh, in L.A. at Disneyland. It is the official welcome party. Uh, to Alabama and Michigan. Uh, you know, they used to do those arrival press conferences and you'd go out to the airport oh, yeah. plane would land and then the water hoses would uh, shoot across the plane. It was kind of a welcome there. I don't know if security has prevented that from happening, but I, I can't remember that happening here lately unless it's just no media access. So there was nothing uh, yesterday, uh, but you did see some, you know, some photos being out, but uh, I was told Alabama got here uh from, from someone I talked to last night from the team, 12-15, 12-20. You know, they get a little bit easier flight coming out of TCL direct into LAX than, than Fowler had to do, right? I went Birmingham, Charlotte, Charlotte, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, uh, LGB, Long Beach. Uh, they, they took a direct flight. It's a little easier. They left at 10 yesterday morning, got here 
12.15 local time, and they literally went straight from there to the practice facility. They're practicing here at one of the uh, Dignity Sports Health Clinic uh, uh, complexes they've got. That's where they'll be set up, and uh, that will be uh, literally uh, all week. But we'll have some media availability. Alabama's going through many practices, and as you guys like to know, they, they love to practice at the same time that they play. So I would assume that they'll probably have an afternoon practice at some point uh, following that Disneyland uh, trip. Or they may have practiced this morning and then allow the players to enjoy Disneyland for the remaining part of the day. That may be another option as well. Hey, when uh, they open up the media here in bowl games, and I think they do this at the SEC championship games too, you get access to a few more players and coaches. And I know that I think tomorrow – Reese will be up, and then maybe Kevin Steele the following day, or maybe both tomorrow. What 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 kind of questions? Since it's such a rare opportunity, what what do you ask uh, those guys? You know, leading into the Michigan game. Well, I think we start with what Lars said a couple of minutes ago, and and you guys, y'all got a little bit of years on me as far as coverage in the media. So so I'd love to maybe get you guys to jump in. But when you think about a true freshman like Caleb Downs. Uh, that won the Sean Alexander Maxwell Freshman of the Year, which is, you know, by the Maxwell Foundation. I'm starting to think that, you know, I I can't remember a player, and certainly the name after Sean Alexander, he did some great things as a freshman, but the consistency of Caleb Downs, 95 tackles, he leads the team, he's just been a leader, he doesn't play like a true freshman. I, I can't remember, I know he's not a running back, he's not a wide receiver, but can you guys think of a freshman that's more talented than Caleb Downs when you think about not just this year, but as, as Alabama football history, freshmen that have made impacts this quick? Not at that high profile running back, quarterback, wide receiver, but a defensive back that has anchored this team as a true freshman. That is, that's big. And everybody I know points to Mika Fitzpatrick. But I also remember Mika Fitzpatrick uh, getting tor- torched by Hunter Renfro out in uh, Glendale against Clemson. I was there for that game, and there was almost they couldn't stop him. They couldn't slow him down, couldn't try to find a way. But when I look at Caleb Downs, other than a few communication mistakes against Texas, we haven't seen those freshman mistakes. So I'd love to talk with Kevin Steele about him. He's been around football a long time. And then I think you you know, you know take Tommy Reese and you twist it around and you, you kind of just look at the development. Uh, at what point was the change happening with Jalen Milrow because you saw them put a lot more wrinkles and to be able to allow him to grow as a player. Uh, and, and when did those guys get synced up? Because both of them are learning one another. When, when did they feel comfortable? I think is probably going to be the question. Nick Saban is 6-1 and one in national semifinal games uh, in the college football playoff era. What makes him so good when he has so much time to prepare? Wow. Wow. Um, I think it's just his attention to detail. I think it's in his scouting department. I think, uh, you know, when you look at, you know, going up against coaches that uh, that maybe, you know, we had Rainer Saban on him. I, I, I would invite you guys to someone, you know, we had him on yesterday. Rainer covered Alabama, and he covered uh, he covers the Michigan Wolverines now. He wrote for AL.com here and uh, did a great job of, you know, kind of analytics side of things, but also talking about X's and O's. And I asked him a very similar question, and he, he talked about, well, you know, he said Jim Harbaugh's much different. He's not as organized as Nick Saban. He's not that type of guy. And I think it goes back to what you just said when you think about Nick Saban. 
It's the organization. All the coaches have it, but it's can you take it up a notch? Can you do it at a level that Nick Saban has been able to do it? I, I think that's one of the reasons why he's got that record. I think it's one of the reasons why he's six and one against Kirby Smart. When you give him a little bit of extra time, and, and I wouldn't be shocked, and, and think about how much of a benefit it is for Alabama to play Georgia in back-to-back uh, games. It, it's almost like that Auburn game allowed Alabama to clean up some of their deficiencies in stopping the rushing attack. So Michigan, it's not a secret. They're going to try to run the football against Alabama. So when you think about Georgia, and I went through some of the analytic numbers yesterday, Michigan doesn't stack up uh, like Georgia does in running the football. I think just about every metric I saw, uh, there was none of them that were ahead of Georgia in those same numerical columns. So when you think about Alabama playing Auburn, where they got exposed in the rushing attack. They cleaned that up. They played Georgia. Now they play Michigan. So I think when you think about self-scouting, that's what that's all about. And so that's the numbers that I begin to kind of focus in on is those are things when I think about Michigan, if something stops, where do you go? Is there an adjustment period? Because I asked Brainerd Saban yesterday, I said, okay, Alabama stops their rush. Let's just say they shut that down and they make them – uh, something that they're uncomfortable with. Do they have the wide receivers that they can go to? Do that? That's a secret. When you look at Georgia, uh, they had wide receivers. When you look at the Michigan Wolverines, take a look at the receiving stats. He said they got a pretty decent tight end. Wide receivers are not what you see in the SEC. You know, when you begin to hear that, you almost begin to question: Do they have the right team favored uh, in Las Vegas? I, Ryan, I've been asking that question ever since the line came out. I, I don't understand this line. Well, neither, Lars, and neither do the handicappers. Uh, because we, we feature three a week, uh, and all three of them have said the same thing. That they really? that, that they've got Yeah, that they've got the wrong team favored. But, see, the number is being driven by – because people bet with their heart, right? They bet because they want Alabama to get beat, right? Especially now because – uh, of the Florida State and that debate, and uh, it, it's almost like they won't. So it's like they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. And so this line has stayed. Matter of fact, it's went the other way. I thought it would go down. I thought you'd see it tick down, and maybe you might even see a pick them before the game. The line has actually went up. And so it, it's moved up a half a point, a point in some places. So I saw two and a half, two. I uh, haven't checked this morning, but but when you begin to think about those numbers – you start to go, man, wow, okay. So the public, I think this is just public money. I think it's driving that line up because the professionals are going, mm, no, no, I, I just don't see a way that Michigan uh, can, can defeat Alabama. I mean, the, you know, the Jalen Milrose, I mean, start there on the offensive side of the football. They don't see anything like this in the Big Ten. I mean, the, the guy that we he was compared to in the Big Ten that's closest to Leah Tungvalu, a mobile quarterback, but I mean, if you think that's going to be a comparison, it's just not fair. I mean, it's not fair to Talia, and it's not fair to Jalen Milrow. Do you think Alabama can run on this much? That's the number one defense in the nation. That, that troubles me a little bit. I think that's where they have to win the game. I mean, I think if you want to look at it from a Michigan standpoint, I, I think they've got to be able to, to, to run, you know, to be able to stop Alabama's attack. But once again, it, it all goes back. If Milrow now has got a few weeks to reheal that body and you know because you're not saying that he was injured but when you go through those bumps and bruises if he's able to extend plays 
and he's able to do the things that he did against Georgia, you know, I, I look at Michigan's defense. Is it skewed a little bit? I think it is because, you know, when you think about the Big Ten, what if you took Georgia and you put them in the Big Ten? And I know that's a huge hypothetical. I bet they would put up the similar stats. So when you think about number one defense, is it the number one defense or is it skewed because they play in a league that doesn't score a lot of points, that they, you know, they don't do a lot of things offensively to run those numbers up? You know, that's a, that's a fair question. How do you think uh, Tommy Reese is going to attack this Michigan defense? I think he's going to create a lot of things and a lot of wrinkles. I mean, I go back to that final drive. I was talking with an SEC coach, and he was kind of laughing at me. And he said, uh, former SEC coach, and he said, well, you know, that's one of the reasons why you're in the media business and not in the, in the coaching game. Because I, I said I thought Kirby caught Coach Tight in that SEC game. But go back to that final drive, and this is what we were debating uh, on a phone conversation is he said, I, I said, look at all the wrinkles. And he said, yeah, that most coaches would have taken the air out of it. Tommy Reese had confidence in Jalen Milrow to run those plays. I was about that final drive. Remember the final drive? I mean, they even put that new fake toss quarterback key uh, up. The beautiful I mean, call. It was beautiful. So, so in, in a situation where you're trying to take the air out of it, you're just trying to make them use their timeouts, what do you do? You add wrinkles to your offense. So that tells me that they're confident in those plays. I don't think we'll see any different. I think they're going to be aggressive, just like they were against Georgia. I don't think this team, if they get the opportunity, um, I, I think you're going to see them take advantage of every opportunity. And I'll see what you know Michigan is able to do. But, you know, I've been wrong on predictions before. Last time I visited California, I said there's no way a true freshman quarterback, a pocket passer, is going to beat Nick Saban. I was wrong because Trevor Lawrence lit them up from the opening bell until the final couple of seconds. All right, name one thing as we go to break, Ryan. One thing that after you landed or you're walking around the hotel or whatever, you went, yeah, boy, I really am in California. Well, the weather was actually colder here, but uh, uh-huh. one thing, uh, traffic, I went 22 miles. Uh, in about an hour and fifteen minutes, that was a Ooh. that was a neat experience. Uh, oh, pretty yeah. busy. Yeah, love, traffic, uh, traffic. I love McFarland Boulevard. I love you guys out there waiting in that traffic because it's absolutely nothing. But other than that, it's uh, not too much different. Not too much different. We're gonna go hockey tonight, so we'll have some fun, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you Good. again. Thank you. Ryan. Thank you. All right, uh, he'll he'll be on in an hour too on our Phillies and Tuscaloosa Tide one hundred point nine and 1230 WTBC. And you're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Quarterback changes across the NFL today. The Broncos benching Russell Wilson and starting Jarrett Stidham this week against the Chargers. Wilson will be the backup, but the $37 million he's due in 2025 is set to vest this March and would become fully guaranteed if he were to suffer a major injury and can't pass a physical. Giants coach Brian Tayball announced Terod Taylor will start against the Rams. Commanders coach Ron Rivera said Jacoby Brissett will start against the 49ers. NFL media reports Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud remains in concussion protocol, but he is expected to practice. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence said his injured shoulder is still sore but improving. He said it's too soon to project if he can play this week. Finally, in college football, Tennessee freshman quarterback and former number one recruit Nico Iamaliava We'll start the Citrus Bowl for the Volunteers on Monday against Iowa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, we've got uh, Wyatt at the controls, and I think you just heard the tail end of the Fox News report that Joe Milton has decided to opt out. I'm not surprised by this. I'm stunned by the timing because Tennessee's playing this weekend, right? They may be. But, Lars, I gave pause, and I thought, well, Certainly, they've been working out with this. Uh, I believe it. That's the way I've said his last name, Nico. I believe it. The highly touted quarterback out of California that Tennessee got on campus last year. But um, certainly, you know, they they knew this. They're not. They hadn't been practicing Milton up to this point, and he suddenly opted out. Right. Yeah, it, it sounds like something funky is going on behind the scenes that uh, we're not aware of but um odd odd timing for sure matt and i i I simply don't have information on it you know i just think it's uh uh strange yeah and and the story is very very short and it doesn't go into any detail except that he has opted out and this story came out two hours ago so and the other thing is um Tennessee's, you know, not playing for a whole lot here, right? Isn't this the opportunity where you play the freshman anyway? He may, yeah. He's been on campus for a year. He's highly touted. Uh, Hypel loves him. The fans love him. I, I think they want to see him play. And I guess Milton actually can somehow have a seventh year. That's why he's opted out as opposed to hanging around. But, yeah, the timing of this... 
Yeah, okay. I don't think I'd get in trouble saying this in Alabama, but the timing and the organization of all this and the announcement is just very Tennessee-like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and something that's very Denver-like, at least in recent years, is uh, more weirdness. And uh, So the Denver Broncos have roughly about a 5% chance of making the playoffs, but they are benching Russell Wilson. And, uh, and, and Russell Wilson, we all know that the, the trade from the Seattle Seahawks uh, was an absolute disaster for Denver. It cost Nathaniel Hackett his job last year. Uh, they gave up just an immense amount of draft capital. I mean, this is like Herschel Walker kind of failure trade uh, that Denver made. And now they're bunch of benching Wilson as a way to make sure that he basically is going to be denied about $37 million in guaranteed money. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Um, and then they uh, presumably are going to cut him. But isn't it wow. weird that you, you throw in the towel when you still actually have a chance? You still have a chance. And, uh, you know, maybe Jared Stidham can uh, catch fire. I, I doubt it. Cool. But yeah, I, I'm just really surprised that um, that they did this. But clearly, so it, you, it's, see, it's, you it's, see financial motivation here. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. They 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 want to move on. He's had a pretty decent year. Right? He is. He is. I think he's the seventh ranked quarterback, yeah. seventh ranked passer uh, in the NFL. I mean, it's not. He's not the Russell Wilson in his prime, obviously. And I think uh, Sean Payton wants to bring in his own guy, and yeah. and Denver is, uh, but their their hands are tied behind their back because they just don't have the draft capital because they gave the draft capital away to get Wilson, and so uh, it'll be tough for them to move up into say the top ten to grab an elite quarterback in the draft, and so you're just once you are. In that middle region in the NFL, that seven and nine to nine and seven area, man, it's hard to get out of it because as a long-suffering Bengals fan, you know what happens? You're stuck with a guy like Andy Dalton because you, you can get you can, he can get you you know maybe like ten wins some year, eleven, but he can't get you a win in the playoffs. I think Dalton was 0-6 in the playoffs. And then you're kind of hosed when it comes to the draft. And that's where Denver is right now. They're in that sort of just that mid-level purgatory in the NFL. You either want to be really good or really bad. And We will you know, talk more uh, yeah. about the National Football League with uh, our friend, your former student, Cole Thompson when, we get, Thompson, when we get back as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 
205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly sunny skies through the afternoon hour today. It'll be mild with an afternoon high 56. Tonight, expect mostly cloudy skies. Maybe a slight chance for a shower. The overnight low near 31. Then for your Thursday, a sunny start. With clouds thicken during the day, look for colder temperatures with a high of 40. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, thanks for tuning us in. It's Lars and Matt, and our guest is Cole Thompson, who has uh, many media outlets on his own there in the Houston area. We'll fill in the blanks on that. But, Cole, did you have a Merry Christmas? It was a quiet one, and I actually appreciated that. The first one being married, the first one where me and my wife started our own tradition. So, you know, it it was definitely one that was needed for myself, and uh, I appreciate the fact that I did that. Nothing to do throughout the day. Good. That's a good Christmas. And I love the fact that you're building your own traditions, because I have urged all my family to do that, and they have. Cole. Uh, what's the latest on C.J. Stroud? And just go ahead and take a minute and just talk about the season he's had. So Stroud is expected to play as of right now. He went back to practice on Wednesday. Uh, he has cleared concussion protocol for the most part. Uh, physical contact still is very limited. So expecting to be wearing a red jersey throughout the week. But when it comes to Stroud, the reason why the Texans are in the situation that they are, playing meaningful football in the month of December It's his attentiveness to the offense, his ability to learn on the fly, his uh, fearless play style that uh, that always seems to be expanding horizons. He's built a great relationship with all of his receivers, whether they be seven-year veterans like Robert Woods or newcomers like Tank Dell. He's spreading the football around a lot. He's not afraid to go back to his first target after surveying the field and throwing it in a tight window. Uh, Houston, the last two games, have really struggled without him. You know, you go back to that game against the New York Jets, the Jets have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So anybody who thought that he was going to carve them up and basically serve them on a silver platter, that was never going to be the case. But you've watched his case, Keenum has struggled. You've watched his Davis Mills found success late in the fourth quarter last week against Cleveland. The game was already out of reach at that point, so there was no stipulation to where he was going to forge a comeback. It just feels like right now, Houston's best chance of making it into the playoffs is not just winning against Tennessee and against Indianapolis. It's having Stroud back because they want to be competitive once they get into the postseason picture. D'Amico Ryans has always been talking about what the uptick of the team is. You're going to need your starting quarterback to get there, though. That's kind of the bottom line. So this will be a big test this week, whatever happens. Uh, but Houston's playing meaningful football, and that's largely due to number seven under center. Yeah, he's been amazing, and uh, in my mind, it's like no-brainer rookie of the year. Um, Cole, before we get into a deep dive of Alabama-Michigan, I want to stay in the NFL with you. News uh, came out a couple hours ago. Russell Wilson is benched in uh, Denver. It appears that the Russell Wilson era is over. Is this going to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history? It probably will. Uh, The bottom line is that when you look right now at the situation in Denver, 
it's not the fact that they brought him in and they gave up extensive draft capital with three first-rounders and proven players like Noah Fant and Shelby Harris to go acquire him. What this really comes down to is the fact that as soon as he touched down in Denver, they offered him a brand-new contract, an extension that still has not even kicked in yet. So we're talking about a quarterback that you're paying to now likely play for another team. He never will play on the current deal signed by previous ownership. But at the same time, here's the bottom line, Lars, when you look at it. When they bring in a brand-new owner, the owner makes decisions that's best for the team. And the team decided that Sean Payton was the logical move and the right head coach to hire for the situation that was going on with the, I mean, with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the program, the franchise. The bottom line is that now because of the pecking order on the totem pole, the Boland family is out, the Walmart family is in, and they're now siding with, uh, with Sean Payton. So everything that we know about Denver goes through Payton. And if Payton does not want to deal with Russell Wilson, he's going to get his wish. They have now hitched their wagon towards Payton. Payton comes from a no-nonsense, we do it my way or the highway type of style. And you look at a guy like Russell Wilson, he's very carefree, he's very relaxed, he's more so a guy that's about image and persona, and the two just were a match made in hell. There was no other way to put it. It was absolutely going to be a disaster from the jump. It was why a lot of people were very hesitant to agree to the hiring of Peyton because of that meant that Russ was potentially one foot out the door. And now it just feels like after losing to the New England Patriots, a team that is on a backup quarterback that is choosing to be on a backup quarterback and openly trying to lose games to better than the draft stock, the fact that you lost that game, I think, was the nail in the coffin, that this is a relationship that's not going to work out, and you got to lean more so toward that coach. Cole, uh, do a deeper dive into what D'Amico Ryans ha- has done there in Houston. I think he's put an attentiveness on doing things a certain way. You know, you look at the way that they practiced this past year compared to years in the past. It's very much a more physical demeanor. It's a very more upscale, but... It does feel like they are having these days where you are watching players kind of take the night off, and that's okay because the last thing you want to do is cause injury and inflict self-wounding situations for yourself. He's also got a really good buy-in from the culture. You know, down here, that's because of he played for the organization. But I think the other thing that's really important, guys, is he's young. He's 39 years old. He played in the NFL less than a decade ago, and he's been able to play alongside guys who are going through the same processes that he was when he was a rookie and what he was when he joined a new team, when he was traded, when he was brought into an organization to be that PC resistance. He's able to understand the processes that a lot of other coaches won't because times were changing back then. And this is a coach that played in the same amount of vicinity as some of these guys. I mean, Kareem Jackson, former Alabama great, is now coming back to Houston and that was Ryan's teammate. Like, that's how long ago Ryan and Jackson have played in the NFL, and he gets the buy-in. So you see the attentiveness when it comes to what is demanded in practice. It comes with a winning background and a no-nonsense type of mentality. But at the same time, I think that there's a trust factor to where players are buying into what D'Amico is selling because they also understand and they see with their own two eyes this is a guy who will be able to help me get through the trialing times of playing in the NFL because if he's been in my shoes before, I can take his advice because if I know that he understands exactly what my brain is thinking right now. 
poll, let's move over to Alabama, Michigan. Um, among the many hats you wear, one is uh, you're a you're a draft junkie, just like I am. I love the NFL draft, but you take it a much step further, where you uh, really analyze the the guys in the draft and and in the uh, the college players. Uh, you do a really good job of, of, of uh, coming up with scouting reports, writing scouting reports on all these people. J.J. McCarthy, is he a first-round pick, and what, what are his strengths and weaknesses, the Michigan quarterback? Well, let's start off with the latter, and then we can kind of build to the front part. Uh, the strength is accuracy. That has always been his bread and butter. During his time last season, the thing that they really honed in on, according to his office coordinator, uh, was making sure, Sherelle uh, Moore, was making sure ball placement was pristine because the last thing you want to do is see a negative play become a downtrodden moment where it ultimately factors into what will be the end result of the game. So last season he completed 68, I mean, 78% of his throws this past season, 77.8% of his throws. He hits the intermediate part of the field exceedingly well. He's good with the short passes. His deep ball needs a little bit of work, but the intermediate part, the 14-yard out route, the 12-yard comeback, the 13-yard slant, deep post pattern, uh, 18 yards down the field, that's his bread and butter. And if he gets comfortable and in a rhythm, he has impeccable ball placement. And that's been a major difference for this Michigan team this past year. A lot of people want to focus in on their rushing attack because of who Blake Corm is and who Donovan Edwards is. They rank middle tier in the SEC, I mean, in the Big Ten, and middle tier among all Power 5 teams when it came to running the football. So this is a roster that is able to utilize the passing attack, and they're really good on that. Um, I would say when it comes to first-round conversations, this year, no. I would not think he's a first-round talent. I think that one of the biggest blessings for him would be come back next season, learn the offense, whether that be with Jim Harbaugh or Sharon Moore, put a little bit more proof of concept on there, and don't be afraid to swing it around a bit more because NFL scouts like that stableness. But they like stability for backup work, not for first-round talent that can elevate your status and change the course of an outcome of a game. Wow. It, great, great. it reminds me of a Jim Harbaugh at, when he was a, a college player. Of the little Jimmy, so. Hey, uh, hanging through the break, we'll talk some more about Alabama and Michigan as you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented by Marley Thompson, the Bama Broker. The two winningest programs in college football history collide. Shade look, he's got it wide open. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 this Monday on your home for Alabama football. Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Hagley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Our guest is Cole Thompson. Cole, uh, my question here real quick is, uh, Lars has asked me this two or three times, but um, if you were the head coach of one of these starting teams, who would you rather have as your quarterback? And before you answer that, tell everybody what media platforms they can listen and read you. 
Yeah, so if you want to give me a follow, it's at Mr. Cole Thompson on Twitter. Uh, I'm at FanNation.com. I cover all the SEC. I cover Texas, Oklahoma. So two newcomers in the SEC and a few other major teams out there. Um, when you're saying quarterbacks, you mean quarterbacks that are playing in the college football playoff right now, right? No, no, I, no. I want to know, would you take J.J. or Jalen as your starting oh, quarterback to win this game? Yeah, just the, the, the biggest thing is that you know what Jalen's strengths and weaknesses are, and that's not an insult at all. And a lot of people like to say because if you're not going gung ho all on JJ, I mean all on Jalen and his assets, then that becomes a problem. It's really not. Everyone knows that Jalen Milrow is a hyper athletic athlete that is more than capable of turning up field and turning a five yard gain into a fifty five yard gain with his legs, and he's got a great deep ball. The problem is, is that the intermediate part of the field sometimes can be a concern. You watched it on multiple occasions where he overshot an Amari Nick Black, where he's uh, missing Isaiah Bond on a 20-yard out route. And so those are concerns, but that's a strength of what you have with J.J. McCarthy, the intermediate part of the field. But at the same time, the weaknesses that come with McCarthy, deep ball accuracy, the ability to extend plays really outside the pocket and utilize his legs because he is mobile, but he's not a dual-threat quarterback like Jalen Milrow. The strengths that work for Jalen also play a factor into what Tommy Reese and the offense has credited being the difference of this team. If I were to be a betting man right now and I have a two-minute drive to go 90 yards down the field, I would take Jalen Milrow over J.J. McCarthy because of the mobility aspect. There's something about utilizing your legs to pick up a few extra yards keep momentum moving where you won't be taking a step back rather than a step forward. That ultimately is the biggest difference maker for me in this game. And I think that Milrow does that a little bit better than McCarthy. How do you think McCarthy and uh, the Michigan uh, offense is going to try to attack the Alabama defense? I think they're going to try to utilize the rushing attack short and sweet, and they're going to utilize the middle of the field. That's been an area where Alabama has been pretty stable all season especially in coverage when you look at guys like Terry and Arnold and Cooley McKinstry on the outside, Malachi Moore coming down and playing that star position. You have linebackers like Chris Braswell and others that aren't afraid to make tackles. So this is a team that does have the ability to win at the middle part of the field. But the main thing is, is that this is an offense that does not know how to utilize the run when it starts to go haywire in Michigan. Michigan, this entire season we talk about Blake Corum and his ability to be an effective red zone runner. Well, of his 21 touchdowns this year, I believe 18 have come from inside the nine or fewer. So we're talking about a guy that only has really found his inertia inside the red zone. So that's a big asset. But at the same time, I think it's the ability for Alabama that is kind of getting lost in translation. They've had struggles with mobile quarterbacks this year. You know, you go back to the USF game, their quarterback rushed for over 95 yards. You look at, you know, Peyton Thorne, I saw a video yesterday of some dummy talking about what Michigan can do and what Michigan can't do. Uh, but he said Peyton Thorne was a statue in the Iron Bowl. Peyton Thorne had 57 rushing yards, and he actually had more, but he took some stacks with it. So McCarthy can utilize his legs to pick up first downs on, say, third and two or third and three. That's a big bonus for Michigan. But they're going to want to utilize the rushing attack on third and short just to continue to run down the clock, and they're going to hit the intermediate part of the field. I would expect a big-time game from uh, uh, probably you would want to say Cornelius Johnson. I would not be shocked to see both of the tight ends also be really effective, especially on third and short. Where do you think Jim Harbaugh will be next year? 
that is the million-dollar question that I think is actually $100 million because we know that the contract that he's going to be offered is a 10-year, $125 million deal. When I look at Jim Harbaugh, I have to wonder what else would there be for me in Ann Arbor? Am I coming back because if I want to create a dynasty, I want to be just like Nick Saban and build that block and lay down a foundation where we run the brand new Big Ten, even though we are adding in quality competition. And NIL is always going to be a factor. Am I okay leaving on top? If I win the national championship this year, am I okay handing the keys over to the kingdom to Sharon Moore? And, and by the way, to all of the SEC fans that are listening right now, I don't know what you're hearing about Brian Kelly going to Ann Arbor. I've talked to some people. Scott Woodward will not allow him to leave Baton Rouge. So that rumor is just completely complete. But if you feel like you have a better shot of making a name for yourself at the NFL and you've done everything that you can in Ann Arbor, I believe he goes back to the NFL. But ultimately, it is going to be, I think, based off of what happens in the Rose Bowl. If he loses... I think he comes back for another season, even if he is having to deal with the NCAA suspension on the Connor Stallion sign-stealing scandal. Whether or not he is only be on the sidelines for four or five games next year, I believe he wants to win a national title before calling it a career in the collegiate level. Cole, I've argued that this isn't a good matchup for Michigan, uh, specifically uh, their offense against Alabama's defense because Michigan's weakest position group are the wide receivers. Alabama's best position group, you could argue, is uh, the corners slash defensive backs. And uh, and I think that will allow Alabama to sort of be more creative when it comes to trying to stop the run. Do you agree with that assessment? It's interesting because of, I've had this conversation. Okay. Uh, apparently, we have uh, lost contact with Cole Thompson in Houston, and it just kind of drops uh, us off. Yeah, we'll try to get uh, him back here in a second. He's uh, okay. We we got we got Cole back. Okay, Cole. Uh, we, we lost you there just for a minute. If you could go back uh, to the very uh, start of uh, answering the question for me yeah. about uh, about the, the the matchup for. Michigan not being a good one, especially on the their offense against Alabama's defense because the weakness of the wide receivers and Alabama's ex- excellent defensive backs. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I see where you come from because I've argued that you have a better matchup if you're Texas and Washington if you were to take on Alabama and Michigan rather than each other because both of you have those same glaring weaknesses. In my opinion, This is a matchup that fares better for Alabama, but take nothing away from what the secondary play has been underneath Jesse Minter this past year. 
Michigan is the number one pass defense in the country, and they have been consistently, regardless of the level of competition that they've got up against. And you may love Jermaine Burton. His frame has been phenomenal as a deep threat and also as a red zone target. Isaiah Bond has come into his own as, in my opinion, a legit number one receiver. But they have two exceptional corners, and Will Johnson is one of them. And if he takes away one of the playmakers on the outside, I mean, that's leaving you with really only two options and Nick Black and either Burton or in Bond. So I like the matchup in that sense for Michigan. What worries me with Michigan is if they have to become one-dimensional, especially because if they can't get anything going through the air, and then they trail by, say, 10 points going into halftime. 10 points for most teams feels like the ability to come back. For an Alabama roster that's built the way that they are, especially when it comes to their secondary play, going up against this receiving core, you actually are probably saying that that 10-point swing is more so feeling like a 20-point swing. Because if Alabama can strike at any moment within 45 seconds, then you may not be able to say the same thing about Michigan. Michigan, I think, is going to give Alabama some fair shares, but I definitely think that right now you're leaning more so toward the Crimson Tide if you are a betting man and when just looking at matchup-by-matchup persona. Hey, before we let you go, let's switch to the other game, and that's the Sugar Bowl, which features Texas and Washington. You got a feel for this one? Yeah, listen, here's the deal, guys. I am. Alabama bred through and through. I loved my time at the university. I will always speak highly of Alabama, mainly because Nick Saban's not going anywhere. And until he's pushing up daisies, I think that they are a team that will always be a threat. But the other game is, in my opinion, the better game because of you are seeing where the faults reside with both of these teams that really are on the come up in the respective conferences that they're going to that are playing against each other in Pasadena, I mean, out in Los Angeles. I mean, you look right now. Texas finished with a top three recruiting class. They've just landed three incredible transfers that are going to be plug and play day one starters. And they have a good inertia going into the season. And Steve Sarkeesian knows Nick Saban like the back of his hand. And he understands Kirby Smart because they speak the same dialect, which is Sabanism to a T. And Washington, they have the quarterback. They recently added in Will Rogers from Mississippi State. So a very similar style of quarterback to that of Michael Penix. They're always finding the right receivers. Their run game has been very potent as of late. And so you look at the flaws of both these teams with open field tackling, there's going to be a lot of points scored. There's going to be a lot of momentum on both sides for either play, whether it be a turnover or a touchdown. And at the end of the day, these are two teams that I think if they are to win, and they win convincingly, whoever wins between Alabama and Michigan, they're in for a dogfight in Houston. These are two teams that mean business. They've handled business throughout the entire season, except for one game when it comes to the, uh, the, 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 the Red River Showdown. But I really like this matchup for Texas. I think that they have done an exceptional job when it comes to their run defense, headlined by Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. If they can make Michael Penix throw into double coverage downfield, and Roma Dunze is completely blanketed, and they can't get the ball to Jalen Polk, Texas might be able to win by 10 points. And if you're playing in Texas, I think a lot of people want to see the rematch of week two because there's been plenty of names out there who have said Alabama would lose once again to the Longhorns, but that's not the same Alabama team that exists today. This is an Alabama team that has basically made the other one extinct, put out the flames, and now is building up momentum to where they want that opportunity to say we are college football's finest. But Texas right now is playing about as good as anybody else out there. And if you don't believe me, I mean, Oklahoma State handled business against really everybody, including Oklahoma and Bedlam. 
and they got the doors beaten off of them. It was 28 to 7 going into the last 10 minutes of the second quarter. All right, Cole, final question. Uh, back to Alabama, Michigan. Uh, gaze into your crystal ball. How do you see this one playing out? Michigan jumps out to an early lead. I think that they are going to be able to get the ground moving, whether that be Dobbin Edwards with a big 29-yard play or Blake Corum with a big 15-yard run for the end zone. They take the 7 nothing lead. I think Alabama at that point finalizes what we know about them and what kind of happened to them against Georgia. That mentality click just flipped on. It was just an instant where you knew they were going to control everything. The tempo of the game, the passing attack of the game, third down conversions of the game. And a lot of people want to go back and look at that Georgia score and say, oh, well, Georgia won. I mean, Georgia lost, but they only lost by three. Georgia would have lost by 10-plus if Alabama didn't drop multiple turnovers. I mean, there were opportunities after opportunities for them to capitalize. Alabama really controlled everything that went on in Atlanta. And I think going into the second quarter, all the way to the fourth quarter, that's exactly what happens in the Rose Bowl. That's what you're going to see from Alabama. Good rushing performance. Jalen Milrow pops off two big touchdowns, one for 50 yards. You see the deep ball accuracy. And they put their mark on all college football saying, I get it. You did not want us here. Florida State had done its job as an undefeated team. But are you not entertained? We are not Maximus Decimus Meridius. We make Maximus Decimus Meridius look like a little child compared to what dynasty we have. Alabama wins by, uh, wins by double digits and they punch their ticket to Houston. Boom. There you have it from Cole Thompson. Hey, thanks for your time, man. Much considered success. Thank you guys always for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Cole. You're the the best, man. Thank you, buddy. Yep, really good stuff. Hey, I want to give a passing and a salute to uh, just an unbelievably talented guy, not necessarily associated with the the sports world, but um, love this guy growing up. Sad to see him pass. We'll talk about Tommy Smothers when we get back. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Hey, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. It's been a uh, nice and, quite honestly, a very quick show. I meant, wanted to bring this up earlier. We didn't have a chance to. Too many good guests. But Tom Smothers, who, Lars, I don't think you're probably familiar with this guy. He and his brother, Dickie, had a uh, variety show to speak of back in uh, 65 and 66. Uh, it was uh, CBS removing from the air because they were, they were, uh, they were t- tiptoeing pretty deep into political waters and at that time that was unheard of so they took him off the air have you ever heard of him 
Oh yeah, very familiar yeah. with the the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, um, and uh, it's amazing the impact and influence that uh, Tommy and Dick Smothers had on comedy in the United States. Um, even though that the show only ran for two years, as you mentioned, from uh, 67 to 69, that really was the forerunner and led the path to Saturday Night Live, and now more recently, The Daily Show, uh, the late night uh, uh, comedy talk shows. I mean, it, it all started with them. And uh, it, I just, uh, I was, you know, uh, I wasn't born yet when that show premiered, but my dad told me all about it. And, and I've seen old uh, clips from it. And Tommy Smothers and his brother, Dick, just hilarious, hilarious Funny. people. And in uh, the fact that, you know, that they were willing to uh, show their support of civil rights, opposition to the Vietnam War. And, uh, you know, that's why CBS, as you said, canceled them because of the pair's uh, political takes. Things I did not know about Tommy Smothers until I looked them up just a few minutes ago. He played acoustical guitar in John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. How about that? Wow. He played with John Lennon. He also later became politically active with John Lennon. When he was younger and he was at St. <clears throat> Let's see, San Jose State University. I've, I've never heard of this in my life. It's funny. He was a competitive unicyclist. You ever heard of that? No, I have not heard of a unicycle. That. I didn't know there was a competitive unicycle. What is oh, man, there, a league That sounds like a great magazine story right there. Competitive well, it sounds unicycling. Like very California. Only in California would you do that. But then he also participated in gymnastics and was a pole vaulter on the track team. I mean, this guy lived a full life, didn't he? Yeah. Hey, and that's, uh, that's all you can ask for. Uh, 86 years old and uh, rest in peace Tom Smothers uh, you know all, all we want is to make an impact on other people right and and he certainly did that there's no question about it so Lars uh, another day behind us as we get closer to the weekend hey give me a feel real quick I think this is a competitive bowl matchup Oklahoma State Texas A&M tonight at 8 o'clock who you got What's the line? I don't even know the line. Do you? I don't know either. Uh, I will. I'll take Oklahoma State. I think uh, uh, with Texas A&M in transition, with new coach coming in, and uh, Gundy uh, in Oklahoma State, they're playing really well at the end of the season. So uh, I, I'm going Oklahoma State. How about you? Well, the Cowboys just have so much stability, and Texas A&M has very little, if any. So, yeah, I would go with Oklahoma State. But uh, ought to be a fun game to watch. And what do you say? We'll line it up, take a snap tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back in 22 hours. Thank you, Lars. Thank you, Wyatt.